Welcome back to the Pilots Lounge. On today's episode, we are joined by Mike Ballant, aka Mike Ballant Heli on TikTok and on Instagram. His name is at RNW. Just search Mike Ballant and you'll find his page. Most people know him from a couple viral reels and TikToks that he has done, kind of playing some humor on the world of rotary wing aviation, as well as just general. Uh, satire about being a pilot and why helicopter pilots are better than everyone else. We dive into his story, his background, what got him into flying and kind of what he's up to now on this episode. We know you're going to love it. So be sure to hang out until the end to hear some amazing advice that he offers somebody who maybe is looking to get into aviation, but doesn't quite, you know, doesn't quite know where they want to start from wherever you're listening, sit back, grab your cup of coffee and thanks again for joining us on the Pilots Lounge. As we all know, Brotalian was kind of brought about with this idea of freedom, flight, fitness, and friendship. And the fitness side is really cool because over the years, science has gotten so much better. And a, there's a huge mass of people that are really focused around good quality evidence-based products. And we're really happy to be able to partner with one of those called Mecca Education. Mecca, you know, if anything... We recommend everybody go over to uh, Mecca.education and we'll have a link in the description below, but go to their articles page and just start educating yourself. They have everything from, you know, energy uh, management to hormones, like education on what kind of labs can be done, nutrition, performance, sleep, all of this information that is free. You can just go and read about it. And then... After reading about it, you can make an educated decision on what kind of supplements you may or may not need. And in aviation, obviously, we are very particular about what we put into our body, or at least we should be very particular about what we put into our body. And they offer a lot of very good, clean, <coughs> pardon me, tested evidence-based products that can help you perform at your best, whether you're flying, you're on an erratic sleep schedule, or you're just in the middle of a very tense training block, both in the gym or on the road, if you're an endurance athlete, whatever it might be. For instance, Brett, uh, you know, one of our co-hosts, he likes to take Serenity PM. And he even said, he's like, as a pilot and caffeine consumer, the product has helped huge on training days or when I need to adjust my sleep schedule, which we all know in aviation, we do so much. And it's the perfect blend to trigger that end of day slumber that we all need because sleep is perhaps the one most important factor to performance, whether that's in the cockpit or in the gym or on the road, whatever your performance goals might be. For me, as a competitive cyclist, and I'm out racing bikes and training in the heat, especially right now during the summer, their optimal hydration mix is absolutely excellent. Something that really was important to me was that their products were all tested for banned substances by you know the World Anti-Doping Agency as well as the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, which they are. If you want to learn more, again, head over to Mecca.education or check the link in the description below and at least go over and, and read those articles and, you know, start educating yourself about some of the things that we're putting into our body as well as how we can achieve optimal performance. Welcome back to the Pilot's Lounge. On today's episode, we are joined by Mike Ballant, aka Mike Ballant Heli, who has a little bit of a different background than a lot of people who we have on the podcast. Mike started his career in professional hockey, and then moved into aviation after that. And that's kind of what we're going to dive into today. Mike, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on here, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Really, uh, excited to be here. It's awesome to have you on. I know uh, Brett has talked to you quite a bit on Instagram. And, and of course, we follow your content. And we know you're a supporter, supporter of what we're doing with Brotalian. So it's pretty awesome to finally link up. Uh, before we dive into your story, though, we do table talk. We, I know you've uh, you've spent some time with an instructor pilot. We're not going to grill you on like EPs and limits or whatever. We're going to talk about pretty much anything and everything, just off the wall questions to uh, kind of get things flowing. And I know Brett probably has one lined up and ready to go. Okay, Spencer, go ahead. All right, uh, <clears throat> favorite dive bar anywhere in the world or bar in general. Mm, probably Tootsie's in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Tootsie's is a great time. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a dive bar. They they've like part of its dive bar. They try to make it a little bit nicer, but yeah, live music, kind of cheap beers, bachelorette parties. For Nashville, know, Tootsie's is pretty deal. cheap. I can attest to that. I mean, yeah. comparatively speaking, yeah. I like. Yeah. I've been there a couple of times. I like Santa's. Have you? I don't know if you've been over to Santa's Pub. 
over by, it's kind of close to the old uh, fairground speedway over by where Geotis is now the soccer stadium. It's a really good one too. It's a little dive bar over there, but just like all of the other dive bars in Nashville, there are just more and more people about every weekend. So that part's shitty. Brett, Brett, are you back with us? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that at the hotel internet here to shit the bed, but uh, <clears throat> no, no big hockey guy myself. As I said, uh, played throughout high school and uh, club in college, but uh, I'm also a movie guy. Um, I always ask a movie related question. And my question for you is out of the three movies, three hockey movies, which is your favorite? Um, Mystery Alaska, Young Blood, or Slapshot? Mm, Slapshot. Got to be Slapshot. Hanson Brothers, you foil up too? I mean, I only, I think I've been in like two hockey fights. So not really, but I won both of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you played in college, you played club or did you play juniors or what What did you do? Uh, yeah, I played uh, club hockey in college. Uh, you guys introduced me as a professional hockey player, which I appreciate, but I, I did not play. No, for the pro. purpose of, of clout <laughs> so, in the episode, you are definitely a professional, former professional hockey player. Okay. That's what we're going to roll with. Yeah, former <laughs> former professional. <laughs> former professional, for sure. No, I, uh, I went to NC State uh, College, and originally I was going to go play football. Uh, I went there, I walked on. Um, I was on the team freshman year. I uh, had an ACL injury and throughout rehab, I kind of turned into an alcoholic, um, you know, really just a normal college student and uh, quit after that to party. And I gained about 40 pounds and I decided that that was not a great life. So um, last two years I played uh, ACHA hockey, um, but it was a blast. Uh, I love it. I coached uh, for the junior hurricanes for, eight years, eight seasons, uh, once I got out of college and, uh, I retired from that in 2021, just so much stuff going on. It's, it's a lot of time commitment to do a good job and, uh, you know, owe it to the players to do that. So when I'm out flying and traveling, I, I, I can't, I can't do as much as I should. So I, in my defense, put it in the past, in my defense, I believe when I was doing some of the background, I remember seeing your affiliation with the hurricanes. I never, I went to like two hurt, you know, two hurricanes games. And I was like, maybe he played for the hurricanes. I wouldn't know either way, but either way. So cool. We have a former hurricanes player, uh, with us. No. Uh, so I, my question is not that, We'll, we'll dive kind of back into your hockey background and, and kind of what led you to where you're at now. But I actually have, I have two questions. The first being uh, kind of specific to the gun content that you post. How often do you get told you look almost identical to Matt Best? I have never been told that I look identical to Matt Best. I get that I sound like Joe Rogan a lot. And I get that I look like... Uh, Riley Green, a country singer. I think. Actually, I'm going to take it back. You do look a lot more like Riley Green than you do Matt Best. But the video that you did a while back where you basically were like, oh, the fire aim, don't fucking need that. And you like threw it out and you were walking out with like your kit and all that. Uh, that you I, First, when I saw that, I was like, that's weird. I didn't know why would Matt Best have a fire aim? And then I was like, oh, shit, that's Mike. <laughs> so it's not even Matt. Uh, second, second question, um, again, totally nothing to do with either of those. We'll kind of set up a scenario for you here. Uh, you have a pistol, any type of pistol of your choice with, we'll say a single, you know, a single magazine of 10 rounds and you either have to fight one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses. Which are you going to fight? One horse, horse sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses. Mm-hmm. Definitely a hundred duck-sized horses. Cause I mean, like they're little. I, I feel like I wouldn't even need the gun. Like you could just stomp on them, throw them away. <laughs> but now that you say that, if it was just one horse-sized duck and I had ten rounds, you could probably kill it. So I don't. I'm so I'm gonna stick with my original answer. A hundred horse-sized ducks. Hundred horse-sized ducks in the pond. Yep. 
No, sorry, hundred uh, duck size horses. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. hundred duck size horses. Yeah. yeah. That's a yeah. hard one to answer too. You never know. There's, you know, how do you eat an <laughs> elephant one bit at a time? hundred. That's a lot. Of, yeah. That's a lot of horses, duck size or not, but <laughs> yeah, but they're, uh, they're, they're Brett size. Yeah. Many. And now that they're horses, they can't swim. So you throw them in the pool, Works, but you're good. <laughs> Three and all. <laughs> that's true. I didn't think about the drowning factor, but yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Mike, are you a men's league warrior now or what? No, um, I only play. So there's like uh, four, the four seasons or whatever for beer league, like summer, fall, blah, blah, blah. But I only play in the summer because you actually have good times. Uh, so you play like eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. During the rest of the year, all the youth leagues get the prime ice. So you play at like 940, 1040 at night. I, too old for that shit now. I, <laughs> I, it's hard to like get off work, go to the gym, chill, and then you're like, all right, I gotta get hyped for a ten forty beer league game. So I uh I play once a year once a year, summer season. Spence, oh, yeah, do you have anything else? Are you are you still you playing, Brad? Sure. Uh when I was at Bragg, even though I can't say that anymore, um I uh I played for their little like club team there for a little bit um and then moved back home and have been too busy to i'd love to i would absolutely love to it's a huge part of my life that um i can't wait to get back to i think hopefully this year or next year because i'm i'm living in detroit area not right now but that's where i'm i'm going to be going back to here soon and the men's league scene there is you know pretty expansive there's there's a rink in every town in detroit so it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting because I haven't played in a couple of years, but I'm definitely excited to get back into it. And my kids, hopefully soon. I actually did take them to the rink uh, this past. Uh, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. I took them to the rink to skate, and they hated it. But, uh, anyone, anyone who's first skating hates it because it, you're you're just busting yourself up. But uh, I'm excited to to see them develop and. But yeah, I'll stop. I'll stop. Uh, it's about you, Mike. This My, is about yeah, you you about said me. we're just having so. a conversation. I don't want to not <laughs> shut the fuck up the whole time. <laughs> no, you're you're fine. It's always it's always fun to hear Brett start talking. Some interesting things will start coming out of Brett's mouth at times, which it's we're we're here for it. That's yeah. Have you ever seen the conjuring? Oh god. <laughs> It's the, the con- conjuring. The, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> exactly. Yeah, the uh, point. The point has been made. Points been made. That's all. That's all that matters. <clears throat> um, Spencer, do you have any more questions? No, we're good, man. I think we've we've done the table talk shit long enough. Um, let's jump into the the full thing. Word. So, Mike, you kind of mentioned. You know, you went to NC State you were playing hockey. What was your, you know, educational background in, did you start in aviation or did you kind of come into that later? Um, no, I did not start in aviation. I, my bachelor's, well, I only have a bachelor's, but it's in civil engineering. Murders and accusations. And murder. So, um, I, out of college worked for a construction company and uh did that for a few years and started my own um in 2014 but uh i didn't get into aviation until 2020 2021 because uh i was me and my girlfriend were in hawaii and we did like a tour um we did like the jurassic park tour where they do a little tour of the island but they actually land at the waterfall and the helipad from the original Jurassic park movie. And I'd been in a helicopter before, but we never did an off airport landing. And that was just so badass to me. It's like, I knew that helicopters could do that, but doing it, I was like, this is the coolest shit ever. The week after I got back, I did an intro flight. So I, yeah, it's, it's relatively new to me, but when I, uh, when I get into something, I go hard. So I've got like close to 600 hours now, which in two years is is a fair amount of flying, not doing it full time. So that's super cool to hear too, because so many people that we talk to 
even myself included, a lot of us and a lot of our guests came up around aviation, whether it was a parent or a brother or a family member who flew or whatever. So it's always really cool to hear someone who like had that one experience and it just clicked. And it was like, this is what I'm going to fucking do. Like, this is insane. This is amazing. And they, and they go after it, which is, which is really cool to hear because I would actually say you are probably more so the minority of the pilot population because a lot of people did come up around it or, you know, they were around it from a young age or they kind of knew for a long time, but to have that kind of experience where, you know, it just kind of clicked for you is really cool. What, you know, especially you mentioned 2020 right in the, we'll say pandemic Time frame. How did that training process look for you? Did you find yourself hindered or was it actually easier for you to kind of pursue because nothing else was really going on or what did that look like? To be honest, uh, the, we're, I live in North Carolina, so, you know, we really weren't as hardcore on the pandemic stuff as some of the other States. Uh, if anything, it allowed me more time to fly because, you know, people, we're working from home and, and people had uh, more free time. Um, I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate that, um, you know, I own part of the company so I can kind of make my own schedule. Um, we didn't have to wear masks or anything. That was, that was a, a big one for me. I was like, if they're going to make me wear masks, I'll go somewhere else. So. <laughs> How long was that time frame from, you know, where you started to coming out with like your commercial uh, certificate for rotorcraft? Um, it was right at 11 months from my intro flight to flight instructor. So I, I mean, I went straight through probably like every other civilian pilot does, you know, I got my private started working on instrument rating, finished that got my commercial and then did uh the flight instructor check ride. So that's awesome. Now are you a CF double I or just a CFI? Just a CFI. Um, I, I got to take the written and go do a, a check ride, but I haven't done all of that much instruction really. So, um, unless I needed it for a career or something, I, I don't know that I really want to pursue the double I that it honestly sounds really boring to just sit there and babysit someone on autopilot. So. No, I can appreciate that. And I'm sure a lot of our Fort Rucker IPs that are listening in can probably appreciate that too. <laughs> but yeah, Brett, go ahead. No, I was just wondering if you ever will get into the plank wing stuff. Plank wing? I don't know if I know what that is. Yeah. Plank wing, that airplane pilot. Will oh. you ever get in the airplane? Yeah, stuff? actually, I, uh, I'm going to start that this year. I want to do a, a TikTok. I, I'm, you know, this aviation community is awesome. So, um, a couple guys and girls that I've met via TikTok are fixed wing pilots. And I want to do an intro flight where I get in and <laughs> they don't do anything. Don't instruct me at all. They only make sure that we don't die. I feel like I could at least get it off the ground. No problem. I'm pretty sure I could land like maybe not a good landing, but YouTube will teach you anything, man. That's true. Spend a couple hours in the new Microsoft flight sim and you'll probably be okay. It's a little different, you know, having, uh, you know, I would say, I think, I mean, both Brett and myself, you know, have done the fixed wing side. And I would say really the only thing that the only thing's different is, is approach angles. That's the only thing, especially with guys who've only ever flown rotary wing, you just see and yeah, air speeds and, and approach angles are really the big difference. And then just knowing when to rotate so you don't bounce the shit out of the landing. But other than that, it's, it's pretty smooth. Um, go ahead, Brett. Now, Mike, no, one last question. Uh, Mike, you're, are you also an investor too? Are you, do you do other things? Are you an entrepreneur on the side or is it just, um, the, con the, the construction? Uh, yeah. Business? I mean, I guess I'm, I hate the word entrepreneur because people overuse it on Instagram for, and they're not doing shit, but I mean, I am an entrepreneur. Self -made. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so I, I mean, I've got, uh, CM red, which is, uh, we do commercial concrete construction. Um, and then I'm a part owner of a company called prove it's actually MFB fertility. They make, um, a test that tests progesterone for people that have fertility issues. And it's an alternative for in vitro, 
Um, I invested in that uh, 2018. Um, and then I've got another company that we just buy uh, residential real estate and rent properties. Which so, one is the primary? Which one is the primary one to wash cash through? Oh man, they're all for washing cash. You wash cash through all of them to invoice each company. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever would make it really hard for the IRS to figure out that, uh, that everything I do is completely legal and by the book, according to my CPA. As long as it ends up in the big man's hands, right? That's right. So Mike, have you, have you been able to do any commercial helicopter work so far since, you know, attaining up through your CFI? Um, I do tour. So like there's a, a company total flight solutions, which is who I fly with out of Raleigh. Um, and I'm a, a flight instructor there and a commercial pilot there part-time. Uh, so I've done, so a few, I think I have like 10 or so hours of flight instruction. And then I've probably done 15 or 20 downtown Raleigh tours. I mean, you know, take off, fly a loop around, park a little bit, make sure no one throws up and uh, land. Um, I've done some commercial type work, but really for fun. So I did a, like a long line course with Volo Mission. Um, and I've done some, uh, utility work, uh, setting towers and stuff like the small, small towers and stuff like that, but I wasn't getting paid. It was just kind of like helping out some friends. And then, uh, I also did a little of that in Switzerland, um, with the guys at Heli Retzia. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't do a whole lot of like actually getting paid to fly. I, I spend a lot of my money on paying to fly. So. Yeah, it tends it tends to be that way. I remember seeing some pictures from your experience flying over in Switzerland. Do you mind talking a little bit about that and how it was, especially someone who, you know, is up through a CFI teaching people how to fly here in the U.S. with airspace and all of that and how how different it was flying, you know, overseas in different airspace, different regulations, kind of the different tendencies, if you saw any of, of what people are doing over in, over in the European side of the house compared to what we do? Um, well, luckily, I guess aviation, like the ICAO or whatever, has kind of made it so um, most of the procedures are very similar. Honestly, the hardest part for me was understanding people on the radio because they're speaking English, but in Switzerland – you've got, depending on what part of the country you're in, you either have like hardcore French accent or hardcore Italian accent, sometimes German accent. So um, I, that was honestly the hardest part. The airspace, very similar. Um, procedures, very similar. A lot of times on the radio, I would just uh, say something mumbly back that they probably didn't, it, like it was just nothing. So if they had any questions, they could ask, but you know, that you always know it's German. Cause every time you stop talking to them, they're like juice. And you're like, Oh, juice. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> what kind of altitudes were you guys flying at over in Switzerland? Um, we got up to, let's see, I guess it was like 12,000 feet. We were in meters for over 4,000 meters. Let me convert it real quick. I guess that's about 12,000 feet. Yeah, so I was working on the, uh, um, the EASA license, um, and the Swiss mountain license. So you have to have 200 landings, um, in the Swiss Alps. And I think 50 of them have to be over 14,000 feet. Maybe it's over 12,000, but so I, I'm like 75% done with that. So it, it'd be nice one day to have, um, just the EASA license that actually that written stuff is a lot more difficult than what we do over here. Is, uh, do you have plans to get back over there anytime soon to finish that up? Yeah. Um, probably later this year or like first quarter next year. Okay. So it's cause I, yeah, I gotta go over and hammer it out and it's actually 
really expensive to do like the a star over there is like $2,800 an hour to fly. <laughs> so, and yeah. And since I don't have a license, I'm a student, like that they couldn't work it out where, you know, I do something where someone else is paying. So like, until I get that conversion, I got to pay for it. So that part sucks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully I would say within the next year, I'll have that complete. Any plans to, uh, potentially get a helicopter for CM red for business purposes. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, well actually, so I want an a star, but when I went to heli expo this year, I met some of the guys with, uh, MD helicopters mm-hmm. MDs. and yeah, I've never flown one, but, uh, this Thursday, no next, hold on. Yeah. Next Thursday, um, flying out to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, the McDonnell Douglas, uh, helicopter factory there. And I'm going to do a, a test flight, uh, with one of their pilots and, uh, the guys from Trinity aviation, they want to sell me an MD. So we'll see, but it's either going to be an A star or, or an MD. I feel like that's awesome, man. What, uh, what's, what's the timeline you think for being able to get that? I'm hoping this year, um, I'm working on, I just bought a ranch and I'm doing basically developing it myself for myself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, once I get that finished this summer, uh, get it reappraised. I think it'll have enough to swing a helicopter out of it. So that's the plan. That's cool, man. You know, the economy could say fuck off, (laughs) but you never know. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, I'm I'm actually in the Tucson area right now. So oh, cool. if you come out here, let me know. Maybe we can link up for a drink or something. But uh, I know a lot of times those guys shoot on down here for test flights and stuff, the MD guys. So that'd be sick. Which which bird are you looking at? Uh, Just a 530 or? I, I'm not looking at any specific right now. Um, it's it's going to be one of the 500s. Um, but we're going to fly a couple different ones and, and see. So, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll text you. We're going to be, it's like the 18th and 19th. Uh, no, it is this week. Shit. Thursday. Oh shit. I won't. Yeah. 18th and 19th. I'll be there. So now are you planning on using, uh, the MD or integrating the MD partially into doing your own like long line work and some of that kind of stuff, incorporating that into your businesses that you already have? Yeah, actually, um, cause I got the endorsement for external loads. Um, so I want to sling some concrete buckets. I feel like, you know, a couple of the jobs where you have a tower crane, you know, on top, that's kind of cool, but flying a helicopter in would be way more badass. So, um, when I get that all worked out, I'll definitely be doing a concrete pour just to say that we've done it so yeah absolutely. and to make sure that it's can a business you expense right <laughs> yeah no absolutely can you imagine like just some uh concrete just slipping out smashing someone like like some i don't know liquid concrete just like falling through the air because you accidentally pitched it over a little too far <laughs> it's just sloshed yeah, out yeah that's like the shit i think about the whole time i'm longlining like what am i gonna fuck up if something happens so <laughs> Yeah, I hope that doesn't well, happen. Usually, like with a, with like a Bambi, it's water, like no big deal. But like a little bit of concrete. Oh shit, out, dude! Like, you drop water on bad. somebody from fifty or a hundred feet, it's gonna be like getting hit by concrete. That shit's. <clears throat> I mean, not if it's just a little bit of sprinkle sloshing out, but it, yeah, I mean, if you dumped a whole bucket on someone, uh, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> oh. But I'll think of like a little concrete just slushing out. It's like, oh, it's just a little concrete. Probably it feels like just no bird shit deal. hitting you from the sky. It's really solid bird shit. Now, you mentioned buying a ranch. Are you going to be staying in North Carolina or is that out of state? No, it's in North Carolina. Um, I live, my house is like 15 or so minutes south of downtown Raleigh. And then it's another 15 minutes out into the country is where the ranch was. It's, it's basically like when you start driving down the road, there's like civilization and then the county changes and it's just like farms and shit and it's right there. So it's about as close as I can get to civilization and not have to drive like two hours. So dude, that's an now, awesome area too. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like subdivisions galore going in all around that. So it'll be pretty badass too, to have, it's like 54 acres, like just where I can do whatever I want, shoot guns, helicopters, whatever. And like people have to live, you know, around that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I feel like that's pretty, I feel like most of the people out in that area have like horses and all kinds of shit, especially up like near Fuquay Verena. But you know, the cool thing is, being further south, that puts you closer to probably one of my favorite breweries that I've ever been to, which is Aviators down in Fuqua. Oh yeah, that's that's like I could throw a rock and hit it from my house. So. Yeah, dude, it's it's fantastic. Uh, Devil Devil's Tramping Grounds I've, has put me on the couch many a night. Um, yeah, but you know, Mike, you have a uh, you have a Robinson, don't you? Uh, no, that's just uh, my buddy's. Um, he never flies it, so. I get to use it. It looked brand new. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a 19 actually, um, but it's got like 70 something hours on it. I mean, oh wow, it's yeah, it's pretty new. So kind of where do you see, you know, your next steps? Are you going to kind of back off of the business side and focus more on the helicopter side? I feel like it's it's one of those weird situations where, and this is, I think, very different for a lot of people, but maybe similar for someone who's like getting out of the military. And I'll liken it to that because, for instance, like I take myself, for example, you know, I'm doing the full time thing with Brotalian, but I do have all of this helicopter experience that makes me somewhat marketable for some jobs. So there's kind of like there's kind of multiple paths and you definitely are living multiple paths between you know all of your business ventures plus this you know, up and coming career in aviation kind of, how do you manage that? And where do you see yourself kind of branching in the future with all of those different responsibilities that you have, but also like where your passion lies? Yeah. I mean, my goal, I guess, is to get, it's already kind of materializing this way, but you know, our our company, CM Red, my construction company is the main source of income. Um, and we've grown to where, you know, I've got project managers that are, can run the show and they know what they're doing and I feel comfortable with it. So I'm able to step away a little bit more. Um, and then once I have my own helicopter, um, I have a guy that I met through total flight solutions. He's also a pilot, but he does, uh, organ transport. Uh, he he kind of coordinates that through um, a lot of the life flight or not life flight, a lot of the uh, hospitals around. And if we have a turbine ship, we could actually do flights with that. So, you know, go pick up a flight nurse, drop them off. Um, so in the short term, like next two years, I'd like to get there. And then once I have my ATP or, you know, 1500 hours or whatever, um, I would like to do medevac flights. Um, whether part-time or, or even full-time um, it's not really about the money for me. Like I truly love flying. Like I could, every other venture I've gotten into is but like, I want to get the money out of it and flying. I'm just like, I love doing it. Like I love everything about it. I love all the people that you meet. Like I haven't met a pilot that I'm like, I hate this motherfucker. Like it seems like everyone in aviation is cool. Um, and I, I think that's where I'll ultimately want to go. And when, if I can do some stuff with my other company, you know, I was talking about like long lining concrete buckets, stuff like that. But the, the goal is definitely full-time flying. Now in that process, do you think, you know, if you guys are going to get into the organ transplant side and you're buying a helicopter, you're going to pursue like maybe starting a separate business and getting, you know, the part 135 certificate and all of that kind of thing, or how would that, how would that process kind of work for you guys to be able to conduct those missions? Yeah, well, actually, um, I don't want to deal with that. So the, the flight school has actually, they've done it for other people. Um, basically I'll put the helicopter into an LLC or something, and then we lease it to the flight school. And then I would just fly those missions as a a contract commercial pilot for them. So they've already got the part 135 and, and all the stuff they need. Plus 
um, their insurance will be significantly cheaper than if I tried to start all this on my own with, you know, essentially no experience from the business side of that thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have a little bit of a better advantage understanding the way that that works. Cause a lot of people, especially first time aircraft owners, whether it's helicopter or airplane, don't understand the process of, you know, put why you put an aircraft into an LLC and, and that whole thing. But obviously you have a lot more background and understanding liability and, you know, the, the inner workings of, of how all of that goes, but, but that's really awesome, man. So can you share with us, you know, especially because it's just been the last couple of years. So I would imagine most of your experiences are probably relatively fresh in your mind. Yeah. You're not old enough. None of us are really old enough to have forgotten a lot of shit quite yet. Maybe Brett, but, um, the, you know, the best flying experience, whether it's here in the U S anywhere in the world, what was like, what's your all time, like one flying experience that kind of stands out to you that if you think you could relive it, you would go and do that same fucking mission, like every single day. Um, honestly, the flying in, in Switzerland and, uh, in the Alps, I mean, it wasn't, it, it was missions kind of, but just that whole experience, like having to deal with the really high winds and landing, um, at high altitude where, you know, you don't, you don't have the power. You have to be really technical, really on your game. Um, and the scenery that goes along with that, that's definitely been the coolest thing that I've done with helicopters so far. That's pretty awesome. And I bet it was, was, so you did that in an A-star. Was that the first turbine helicopter that you flew outside of, was that the first helicopter you flew outside the Robbie? Um, no, I went to Heli stream in Los Angeles, uh, right before that trip. And then I got a, uh, I guess like a certificate, but basically, um, it was an Airbus factory training equivalent. Um, so we went out and did all the EPs and, uh, I did about 10 hours of flying out there. So I was relatively new to the A star, but I didn't want to show up in Switzerland and be learning how to fly the machine. You know, I wanted to, to learn all the stuff that has to do with the mountains versus just something else I could learn in the U S so. Yeah, that's pretty rad, especially to, um, at those altitudes we had Fred, like our first episode ever, we had Fred North on and he like, he made the point of one, he flies almost exclusively the A-star for all of his stuff, but his stuff is so awesome, man. It is. I mean, he flies, he flies the A-star like an F-35, like it's, it is wild. And it, you know, in my head, especially most helicopter pilots here, 12, 13,000 feet. And they're like, man, that's, that's a, that's pretty high up there. You're starting to deal with significant power limitations. And while that's true, you talk to him and he broke the altitude record for helicopters and the A-star. And though he passed out, as he told us, <laughs> and was unconscious on the descent, like he still did it. It's a huge testament to the aircraft, I think. But anyway, Brett, I know Brett's got something he's ready to say. No, no, it's just kind of natural progression. But <clears throat> so like when I first uh, saw your account and whatnot, and based on where it is today and where it's gone, there's been like a significant increase in like your content quality and everything. So like, at what point did you realize, Hey, like the content creation stuff's cool. I'm going to take it to the next level. And like, what, what got you into kind of, you know, the content scene? Um, well, I kind of started on TikTok probably like a lot of people in 2020, and it wasn't helicopter stuff. And I was just, I was posting a lot of like rants, like bitching about things. And that account ended up, I got like a hundred thousand followers on that, but then I got stuff just like banned. So, you know, like bullying or fucking guns or like whatever bullshit TikTok decides is not okay because you're, you know, like a white guy basically. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) I swear to God, it feels like that sometimes. But then, so when I posted helicopter stuff on that account, it was like no views, I guess, because they were like, Hey, you're not bitching about things. So then I started the helicopter account and realized like the community kind of keeps that going. Um, and then I really didn't have any plans to make nicer content. 
but uh, I was on uh, a technical diving trip uh, to Truck Lagoon in November of last year. And their media guy, he's like a contractor. His name's Daniel Valak. He's awesome. Um, he like made a couple reels uh, of everyone really uh, of the diving and stuff. And he does a really great job. Um, and you know, he's freelance. He lives in the Czech Republic. So we talked and I was like, Hey man, I, I'll fly in. Like, let's go do some filming. So in, uh, uh, I don't know, March, I think he flew him in. He was here for two weeks and, and we filmed a bunch of stuff and then the content looks so much better. So now I'm like, I can't film my own shit. I got to have someone that knows what they're doing, do it. So he's, he, he flies in on uh, Wednesday to go film the, the MD stuff. But um, there, I think it does help with views. Like when if, I know, at least when I look at stuff, if I see professional stuff, like I just want to watch it anyway. Like it, it's probably not even related to anything I like. And, and a lot of times it's not um it it just looks better and i think that's the way ultimately all of us are gonna have to go you people want to see that production value and they want to waste their time with you know someone that's wasted their time significantly longer (laughs) yeah absolutely the the quality of content is definitely king these days uh it's it's clear in any of the stuff that i do um, that's one of the goals for everything I push out is kind of trying to get that quality, um, image or video, but yeah, that's your stuff. So f- like you're just innately funny and it, it's really hysterical. Most of it, like when you were, um, wearing our shirt and shit, that was, that was awesome, man. And, and then your stuff at Heli Expo was hysterical. So oh, I appreciate think, uh, that. keep it up, man. To yeah, be honest, I, I wish we would have known you were at Heli Expo. We were we were down there. There's some interesting Heli Expo stories, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I wish I would have done a little bit more planning with that. And we actually filmed. He's made like 20 or so reels or TikToks from that. But I had this massive pimple on my face, like it, it looks terrible. And he, he was like, it took me like two hours to edit it. I guess it's not like Photoshop, right? Like video is significantly harder to get rid of it. So like, I don't want to post a lot of them. So, um, I kind of fucked myself there, but, uh, the, when he's back now, like I've been doing my skincare routine. So that hopefully <laughs> the, the content that comes out of it will be a little bit, uh, more usable. Do you have, uh, do you have plans to go back to Heli Expo next year? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I definitely, um, like I got there on the last day and I didn't even get there. I was like, Oh, we'll fly the helicopter to Atlanta. It's not that bad. We got stopped twice. And then I didn't realize once I got to the airport, like I obviously don't fly into ATL. I flew into yeah. somewhere outside of Atlanta. It was like know, 20 miles away. I was like, that's great. But traffic was an hour and a half to get there didn't think about any of that. So I essentially had three hours at Heli Expo before everyone started shutting down. So, um, I'll definitely go back. There was, there was, uh, so much cool shit there. And, uh, I met, let's see, I saw like Heli pilot Lee, like I talked to her on Instagram pretty frequently. So it was cool to meet her. I met, um, CJ, the, uh, he's a test pilot for MD. So like in the three hours I was there, I met two cool people. So definitely be going back. Cool. Yeah, we should be there too. I met that. No, go ahead, bud. I met that CJ dude. I met that CJ dude. He came into to uh, Tucson with one of their new birds, and that dude just seemed like a legend. Um, really, I think I'm. I think I'm thinking about the same guy. He looks like he's straight out of like Hawaii or or like the West Coast, and he's got a really cool story too. So, yeah, it'd be sweet to have him. Yeah, no, that's so that's who I'm flying with when uh I go there on Thursday. So that that'll be cool. Um definitely gonna have some sweet content from that. So maybe yeah. we'll barrel roll or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> He's a test pilot. Yeah. I mean it's true, testing testing the capabilities. Get Aaron Fitzgerald out there and I'm sure he'll barrel barrel roll just about <laughs> anything. But you know, it's funny is Heli Expo, Spence and I were down there. Um 
courtesy of shot over. Thanks shot over for paying for our, our way down there. And, uh, we quickly, for us, it was a really interesting, it was a really interesting expo because we didn't really know where we fit in. Um, and I, I think it's really an interesting look from the lens of somebody who is not going from a business perspective as a, uh, like a vendor type of like, like not necessarily even a vendor side. We went down there mostly to do like a podcast recording to network and some things like that. But what we quick, we quickly realized was a lot of people down there were people similar to you who were actually using those vendors to peru- like, you know, pursue actual equipment purchases. Uh, most of the time, the people who we probably needed to talk with were meeting with potential customers, clients from around the world, all that kind of stuff. But then the other interesting aspect is there were so many companies down there that were actually, you know, hosting hiring events and things like that for people who are in maybe not the 1500 hour range, but who are, you know, we'll say between 600 and a thousand hours, you know, those kind of opportunities for them to grow their career. Uh, but highly recommend Heli Expo for, for anybody who wants to learn more, I would say definitely about the commercial sector of, of, you know, rotary wing aviation, as well as public safety, the amount of public safety booths and equipment booths and just knowledge base that was there was pretty wild. Um, like we just had Dave Collin, Dave Callen, I should say on the episode the other day, and they had a massive booth down there. He runs uh, SR three rescue concepts and they had a huge booth down there talking about, you know, some of the training that they provide. They do things like long line. They mostly go and work with law enforcement agencies, but that's pretty cool to hear, you know, kind of a, a different, a different viewpoint of how HAI went because for us, it was like, cool, we're going to walk around, meet some people, record this podcast episode with, you know, some Coast Guard dudes, which were, you know, they were super awesome, thecoastguard.com. And um, then it was like, cool, we break and we went to dinner. And then next thing I know, we're in this basement of the Red Door or whatever the hell it was called, Red Phone Booth with oversized jackets on because we were wearing t-shirts at, 2 a.m. And it just was a whole, on, on some random helicopter company's tab, I have no idea who it was, but that was pretty much our, you know, that was our HAI experience in about 30 seconds. But uh, that's pretty cool that you guys flew down there. I think next year's in Dallas, do you have plans to fly down there? Oh, yeah, I'll definitely fly there in a jet because that's way <laughs> too far to go in a helicopter. <laughs> Yeah. What are, you know, just out of curiosity, cause I figured they probably would have told you or tried to sell you on do you, What is the range of an MD? Like if you did, if you did go with, you know, one of the 500 series, what are the typical, you know, what's the range like in a, in a tank of gas? I will don't quote me on this, but I want to say it was like around 350 nautical miles. Um, That's pretty uh, good. basically, yeah. Uh, I, I think, in my experience, helicopter is great for something that's like a four hour drive or less. And then after that, you start like, you have to get more than one stop, maybe like two or three stops. And it's just like, I should have just got on a plane. Like, and you're not doing anything fun, right? You, you just like fall in the magenta line for four hours. That's not as cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we flew back from Tucson where, where Brett is right now. We flew back from, it was like 2018, we flew back from Tucson to Fayetteville. And yeah, yeah it was absolutely miserable. Do not recommend anybody ever do it. Um, it was, a, I think, a three-day trip. And there was nothing fun about it. Just sitting in aircraft for, I think it was about eight hours, almost eight hours a day. And uh, not, not a great experience. Um, but yeah, Spence, Brett, you guys have anything? No, man. Really appreciate your time. Cool. So something that we typically do um, kind of with every guest is always dive into, you know, what are their one piece of advice, whatever. But for for years, you, you have a little bit of a different insight. And I would say, you know, if you had one piece of advice for someone coming out of college, you know, wanting to get into, you know, growing business ventures, while still maybe wanting to pursue aviation, what would your advice to them be? Because obviously both bear significant financial burdens. Um, I was, I noticed this a lot. I would say actually do something. I see a lot of people, including my friends that'll be like, 
talk and plan and like what they're going to do. And then like it's four years later and nothing's happened. So like whether you want to get into business or whether you want to get into aviation, like do something, get, you want to get into aviation, go do an intro flight, go start the process. You want to start a business, like watch a couple of YouTube videos, read a couple of books, but then start it, start trying to make revenue. Um, you can, you're never going to feel comfortable doing stuff. Like you're never going to have this perfect plan that like you feel like you're not risking, you know, yourself financially or, or whatever that is actually do something and don't talk about it. I hate that. I hate how like Instagram people are like, yeah, you know, this is going to be the best year. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do, but then they don't do anything. Tell everyone what you've done. That is, that's fantastic. Honestly, that's, uh, that's probably one of the better ones we've got because there's a whole lot of people that absolutely do talk, uh, talk a lot, especially in aviation. We probably hear it more than most other compute communities, especially in the army with people. Oh, I was going to put in a packet or I'm going to, I'm working on my flight packet or I'm, I thought about putting in a flight packet. Well, just do it. Like that's, yeah. that's the best advice I have. And that we, we tell everybody it's like, well, you just have to do, then do the packet. Like do, do the packet apply. That's the only thing that you can do because talking about doing, it's not going to produce any sort of results for you. But Mike, I don't want to take any more of your time, man. I appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about your story, giving some, some background, especially with, you know, the growth that you've had on social media puts a little bit more of a story to story to a face and, and some content, um, lets people know that you're not just a jackass posting funny shit on Instagram. Uh, but, uh, but no, man, we, we really appreciate it. Oh yeah. No, I really appreciate you guys having me out here or on here. Um, I love watching your content. Appreciate the, the swag you guys sent me. So, uh, love, hopefully we can do some more, uh, you know, collaborative stuff in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, or at least see you at HAI next year. Yeah, I'll try.